Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It is Psalm 18. I've got my Bible open to, and it says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. I could go on and on. I love this chapter. (laughs) Rosie's looking at me like, we have David waiting. We have a guest on the line. So I should probably get moving, shouldn't I? No, I absolutely love it. Scripture's great, but we do have David Wheaton on. So, yeah, it's okay, kind of so going I from one great thing to another. carried away, but let's get David on the show. He, of course, has been a regular guest for years now, and I just love David, and I love his family, and I love that he comes on and talks about uh, the book of Genesis. We've been doing this for almost a year, and uh, we're realizing how relevant Genesis is for today. And the last time we were with him. We talked about Genesis 43 to 45, and we're going to probably do some catching up and then plow right ahead into 46 and 47. David, of course, is the host of The Christian Worldview. You can always go to thechristianworldview.org to learn more about David and his amazing show, which uh, airs on Saturday on another network. I won't bring it up, but that's okay. David, welcome. Hey, good afternoon, Bill. I just want to say that what you read there, I think it was from Psalm 18. That's going to be the only perfect part of your show. So <laughs> I love it. It's going to go downhill from here when I start talking. I, so that, that's actually the truth. I agree. I'm with you. I start because I want to start with perfection because I know when I'm done with Scripture, right. it's downhill from there. But thanks, right. David. I think, uh, let me just interject one more thing. I think churches would do well to make sure that there's a reading of God's Word Every single Sunday in church. I agree. Uh, because then that's the only perfect part of the, sur- of the service. You can hear directly from God. Thank you for saying that. I, I couldn't agree more. Now, speaking of God's Word, let's jump back into our study of Genesis, which I have so thoroughly loved, and you've done such a brilliant job of uh, putting this out for us. So thank you for that. Let's go back and maybe look at some important points from the last time when we were looking at Genesis 43 through 45. Yeah, it's always good to review a little bit, and we're getting toward the end of Genesis. We have several more chapters to go, but basically, for those who didn't hear the last time we were together, uh, you know, Joseph, the the favored son of Jacob, has been sold into slavery in Egypt, but he's risen uh, to be the the second in command. Just the most unlikely story, probably in history, to go from slave to you know second only to Pharaoh. Uh, so meanwhile, he's ruling over the land when all this this famine is taking place uh, or uh, over the entire region. And so Joseph's brothers, unbeknownst to them, Joseph is still alive and ruling Egypt. 
So they they just kind of meander down to Egypt to buy some grain because they heard there's grain there. Well, there's grain there because Joseph has such a good plan about how to how to deal with the famine. God gave him a vision that there'd be seven years of famine and then or seven years of plenty, then store up during that time for the seven years of famine. So they come, the brothers come down to Egypt, having no idea that Joseph's still alive. Certainly have no idea that he's number two in the land, and they meet him. And Joseph uh, recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him. And uh, what takes place for the next couple of chapters is Joseph really testing his brothers to see whether they're as wicked as they used to be when they sold their little brother into slavery in Egypt. And so Joseph accuses them of being spies, and he commands them uh, that one brother is going to be imprisoned unless they bring their other brother, who was left back home, Benjamin, who is Joseph's actual biological younger brother. He wants to see Benjamin, unless they bring him home. And so he sends the brothers off. He keeps one of them in slavery uh, in Egypt or in prison in Egypt. He sends them home with some grain that they purchased, but he secretly returns the money for the payment for the grain in, into their sacks. And mm -hmm. when they find this out, they're just like, whoa, 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 whoa what's going on here? He, we've been accused of spies, and now we're going to be accused of stealing the grain and not paying for it. So anyway, they go home, they tell their father Jacob about all this, and of course Jacob is just totally dismayed and and he, he knows that if they run out of grain, they're going to have to send Benjamin back because he said, don't see my face, Joseph said, unless you bring back your younger brother, Benjamin. So he sends Benjamin. They need more grain. They go back. And again, things just devolve from there. They get grain again. They leave. They find their money in their packs again. But this time they find Joseph's silver cup, which was a sign of his authority, as if they had stolen it from Joseph when they were there. And when the, when the servant of Joseph comes after them and says, why have you returned evil for good and stolen my master's cup? They just, they tear their clothes. They know they're in huge trouble. They go back. And just when the brothers are at the complete breaking point of their lives, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And they are just in utter disbelief. And I think it's worth reading just those two verses in Genesis 45 when Joseph reveals himself because they can't even speak. It says, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. The brothers in such shock, Bill, uh, there was no revenge, by the way, here. Mm -hmm. He could have just taken revenge right there if he wanted to, but he didn't do that. He still loves his brother despite how they treated him. There's a relevant point for today. And uh, just an amazing, you know, when you, you know, the big reveal is probably one of the greatest reveals of all time when Joseph makes himself known to his brothers. Yeah, it's stunning. Well, is there a tension now between man's responsibility and God's sovereignty? Do we see that in this story? Yeah, because right in the midst of this revealing, when his brothers are in abject shock over Joseph, their younger brother, revealing themselves to him, you know, they thought he was dead and gone, sold mm -hmm. into slavery in Egypt. Look what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 45, starting in verse 5. He says, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves. I mean, they should be angry with themselves, right? They sold them into slavery in Egypt, right? They lied to their father about it. But he says, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. But listen to what he says here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. 
for the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will neither be plowing nor harvesting. Verse 7, Bill, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Uh, now, therefore, it was not you who sent me. He keeps on emphasizing this over and over, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household. I mean, it, it's it's this tension between God's sovereignty in the affairs of life that God ordains and controls every molecule that moves in the universe. Otherwise, he's not God. There's right. nothing that happens outside his control. And yet, at the same time, there's this tension that, well, the brothers are responsible for the for the sinful decision they made. You know, and the answer to this is, what's the tension here? Well, we can't fully understand it in our limited minds, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. But God chose not to restrain the brother's sinfulness when they sold Joseph into slavery. God chose not to restrain that from happening for, for purposes that no one could see at the time. And, and, and then later on, all of a sudden we find out that God allowed that even though it was the brother's responsibility, they'll, they, they will be, they're, they're, it's their responsibility, yes, there was a sin before God before them, but God allowed it to have these good purposes in the end to save Jacob's family in the land of Canaan during this, during this great famine. I mean, if we understood, Bill, the way God sovereignly ordains his providence, the way it works in life, and the interconnecting of relationships, the decisions we make, both good ones and bad ones, that God's all in control of it all, allows certain things to happen and doesn't allow I mean it, it just so far beyond our mind mm -hmm. and this is exactly what this is saying in the story when Joseph is telling his brothers you did not send me here God sent me here wow that's amazing David how does God favor those who honor him yeah and you can see this in the life of Joseph all along remember he went down there and he get, comes into Potiphar's house mm -hmm. and all of a sudden Potiphar's house is just incredibly successful right. because of Joseph's obedience. Joseph gets falsely accused of, of raping Potiphar's wife. He gets sent to prison. What happens in prison? The, the prison is completely under Joseph's command. Everything's going well. And now that Joseph's in command of the whole country under Pharaoh, everything's working out well for Egypt. And it says in Genesis chapter 45, verse 16, uh, Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts and go to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of this land of Egypt and you will eat of the fat of the land. Do this, take wagons, bring your little ones and wives back, bring your father and come here. The best of all the land of Egypt is yours. This is Pharaoh telling Joseph, just bring your family down there. They can have the best land here. In other words, the blessing of the Lord, there's the verse, I think it's in Psalms, uh, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, not necessarily financially, but there's a richness of blessing for, for, for Joseph on his life, for being so obedient to God. And those around him, his own family, are being blessed as well because of Joseph's obedience. So God favors those who honor him. Even when there's persecution, even when there's difficulties in life, that there's the favor of the hand of God upon those whose heart is right toward him. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. There's nothing else you want but the blessing no. of God. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what it is. I mean, what, what, what could be more said than that, than, than the, the pagan ruler of Egypt recognizing that Joseph's a godly man and right. saying, you're so favored, I'm going to bless you so much, just bring your family down, they can have the best of the land. Mm. David, this is why this book of Genesis is the most relevant for today, and this is just an exciting study. 
I'm going to take a short break. David Wheaton, of course, is my guest as we continue our study in the book of Genesis. We'll be right back. guest you can always go to the christianworldview.org to learn more about david hear his podcasts which are exceptional i listen every week so we are now back in our study of the book of genesis and we're all the way up to chapter 46 so david question i have for you to get things started in this chapter is why why does god confirm to jacob to go to egypt yeah, you would think this is no big deal. I mean, they're they're in a famine. They're yeah. in a famine in Canaan, so you'd think this is, well, I need to go where there's food. We're, we're being told to come down to Egypt to live in the best of the land. I mean, what, what's wrong with this deal? Yeah. Um, and, and God actually tells Jacob in a dream, in a vision, it says, Jacob, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. So, Jacob, again, the third patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, then Jacob, he knew, like his father and his grandfather, knew and believed that the promised land was not in Egypt. It was in Canaan, where he was coming from. And remember, Jacob had been gone a long time earlier in his life outside the promised land. Remember, he went to serve Laban. That's where he found his wives, and there was that whole struggle there. And finally, he gets back to the what he considers, what he thinks is the promised land, and it is. But now he's being told, come down to Egypt. And he's very concerned. He said, God said, don't be afraid, because Jacob wanted to be in the will of God. And he thought, I, I can't, I, I, I'm not, I shouldn't get out of this land. This is where I'm meant to be. So he would have been confused and nervous about moving to Canaan. This would have been seemed very at odds with what God had told him so clearly about, look, the promised land is Canaan, not, not Egypt. But notice what God says about going to Egypt in that passage there. They're going to become a great nation. And God will bring them up again out of Egypt. But interestingly enough, Bill, God is sort of compressing history. He doesn't tell Jacob all the story. Maybe Jacob wouldn't want to go, because we know what happened to the Jews in Egypt hundreds of years later, after the 70 members of Jacob's family moved to Egypt. They turned into millions of people. What happened three or 400 years later? Well, they were enslaved in Egypt because a new pharaoh came along and didn't know them and was scared of the, the, the massive population of the Jews and, and thought they were a threat and they were enslaved. So God compresses the history. And, and here's another relevant point about today. It's a, we always want to know the future, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a good thing God doesn't tell us the future all the time, because if we knew some of the trials and challenges that were in the future, you know, when, when your spouse was going to die or when you were going to die or when these terrible things are going to happen, it, would, it might ruin the present for you. Yeah. So God simply tells Jacob, go to, go to Egypt, you're going to be blessed, you're going to multiply, you're going to come back to the land of Canaan, don't worry, just go. And 70 members of Joseph, Jacob's family moved to Egypt, they turned into millions, and this was the beginning, really, of the Exodus story that would happen 400 years later. Mm -hmm. So I've jumped ahead, David, I'm, in, I'm looking at Genesis 47, I'm in verse, let's see, 7, and here's what mm -hmm. it says, Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. So, yeah. all right, 
what's up with that? Why is Jacob the one blessing Pharaoh? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Right, right. you would think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Jacob is basically probably fairly unknown. Maybe, maybe he's got, he maybe he's fairly known, but he's certainly not Pharaoh, who's right. the king of the land. Yeah. Okay, and so Jacob and his family come down there. Joseph brings them, his family, before Pharaoh. And then you have not Pharaoh blessing Jacob, but Jacob blessing Pharaoh. Now, there was an age difference here. This was a new Pharaoh now, a different Pharaoh than when uh, Joseph had originally come there, probably a younger man. Okay. He, could have been, he could have been in his 20s. So there was an age gap. Jacob was probably much older, so there's that. But still, um, it's interesting how several thousand years later, after this incident took place, we're still talking about Jacob's family, but very few talk about this particular Pharaoh's family. I mean, Pharaoh was the Pharaoh. He was the king of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And it shows you that the life of Jacob and his father Isaac and, the, and his father Abraham, they have been the most, one of the most monumental families in history. And there was an honoring of them because God chose them from whom the, the, the Jewish people would come, from whom uh, God would send his Messiah. In other words, Jacob's family is far more important than Pharaoh, even though in the hierarchy, the class, whatever of, of life, the caste system, Pharaoh should be higher and be blessing Jacob, but it was the other way around. And I think there's a, there's a good little, um, little phrase that says, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. And because of Jacob's faithfulness and then Joseph, his son's faithfulness, how they honored God and by extension honored God's son, there, there's a memory of them way beyond even the greatest kingdoms and kings of the world. All right. So when the famine was going on, was Joseph's administration, were they, was it cruel? What was it like? Yeah. Yeah, it would be easy to, to draw that conclusion. So he's introduced his family to Pharaoh. Yeah. Okay, then they go. he goes about back to his regular job, so to speak, administrating the land during this, this terrible famine. And it says in verse 13 of chapter 47, it says, Now there was no food in all the land because the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, where Jacob came from, languished because of the famine. So it was a terrible situation. The only person who had food was Joseph because he had stored all this food up. Mm -hmm. So the people were, the people of Egypt ran out of money. They ran out of animals to trade for food. And finally, they traded their land for food. They had nothing left. Everything went to the possession of, of Pharaoh. And then J uh, Joseph moved people into the city so they could be fed more easily during this famine so they wouldn't die. And then he allowed them to work Pharaoh's land, but they got taxed 20% of their produce. And so you look at this and think, Man, this is this is a pretty rough system here. They've they've sold everything. They have no money. They have no animals. They have no land, and you know then they're being taxed twenty percent. But wasn't this really a, a a cruel thing that Joseph did? Well, look how the people respond to Joseph in verse twenty-five. So the people said to Joseph, "You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves." In other words. They were so grateful that Joseph had put together this incredible administration during the famine that they, they weren't thinking—first of all, Joseph wasn't enriching himself either. Yes, Pharaoh was becoming more powerful, but he was still keeping the people alive, and they were thrilled about the arrangement that Joseph had set up, actually. Mm -hmm. And then 
Joseph says, please do not bury me in Egypt. Um, so why did, why did Jacob, why does Jacob want to be buried in Canaan, not Egypt? Well, it's, it's really for the same reason we discussed earlier. He, he came down to Egypt probably a little bit reluctantly. He knew okay. the promised land was in Canaan. And it says, when the time for Jacob to die drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, this is like last wish here, yeah. please, if I have found favor in your sight, place now your hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And Joseph said, I will do as you have said. Jacob had been in Egypt now for 17 years since mm -hmm. coming down there, and yet he never forgot about God's promise for them to have their own land. They were doing very well in Egypt. They were living in the best of the land, but he knew he wanted to be placed to rest back in Canaan. In other words, at the end of his life, he's being faithful to God's promise. He wants to be back there. And as he fast forward into the New Testament, uh, Bill, in the, in, the, in the Hall of Faith chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, it said these patriarchs all died in faith without, without having received the promises. In other words, Jacob and Isaac and, his, and the father Abraham, they never received the, the promised land as occupying it, and, and they never saw it that way. And it's, it's really the test for us, too. God tells us things that may or may not be fulfilled in our lifetimes, but the test is, will we trust God? Will we believe Him at His Word? And that is what God's test for us always is. Well, David, we can't remind each other of that enough. It is by faith. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, you know, it's, we must believe that God is, and He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. You know, yeah. these things aren't things you can put in your hand and look at. Faith is God's test for us. Yeah, but, we trust Him at His Word. Yeah, but if we're going to be results-oriented Christians that want to get things done for the kingdom, we're going to want to see results, and it's not up to us. It's always up to God and in His no. perfect timing. It is. It's really about faithfulness and leaving the results to God. Mm -hmm. So do we have a, a preview for your show this weekend? You know, we, we did a program last weekend on the importance of early treatment for COVID. We talked about a, a, a health treatment to save your life and the gospel to save your soul. And okay. it really, really went over well. We might do a little follow-up on that. We got a lot of feedback that uh, that there's, there hasn't been a lot of a lot of um, communication, let's say, uh, about how to treat yourself. Really, my parents had COVID. They're 89 and 87. And through early treatment, some different medications and nutraceutical bundles and so forth, they did very well at an age where a lot of people don't do so well. And so uh, we, we were trying to talk about that last week, and we'll talk more this week about it. Okay, you can check that out at thechristianworldview.org. David, thank you so much. Always great to be with you. Same here, Bill. Thank you. You bet. David Wheaton, of course, has been my guest as we continue our study in the book of Genesis. The series has been entitled How the Book of Genesis is Most Relevant for Today. And if you follow any of this, you know it to be true. So we'll take a little break. When we come back, we're going to hear some spectacular faith in action stories. You're going to love this. Be right back.
back so happy to have in studio Darren Balkan and Jason Hammerback they are a couple of amazing uh, guys who have a love for people they want to serve they want to make a difference in the community and I tell you some of these stories will warm you like you've never been warmed gentlemen welcome thank you thank you Bill let's talk about the uh, you are Darren the executive director of the Great River Faith Action you've been that for two and a half years been the director for two and a half years, been there six and a half years. Excellent. And uh, Jason, you've been involved for how long? I've been involved for five years. Awesome. Now, this is a, a, a very giving, serving, loving, faith in action kind of ministry, and I want to hear more about it. Who goes first? So it's been a little bit difficult over the last year, of course, when your whole mission is to uh, help elderly people. Everything that we do um, involves going out. To see people, talking with them, uh, giving them rides to appointments. Uh, another thing that both Darren and I do is deliver furniture to families in need. A lot mm-hmm. of our single mothers starting out. So, of course, when everything you do involves going out, seeing, speaking, talking with someone, that's very difficult when you have a year where no one can go out, and especially elderly people are, uh, you know, very affected by this. Yeah. It makes it tough. So. They have felt the crunch, haven't they? Yes, they have. And you have too. Yes, so we can reach out a little bit by phone, but yeah, and that doesn't help them get to the store. And uh, when we clean people's houses, obviously you can't do that from a distance either. You can't yeah. zoom a broom. Okay, no, wait, well, you said clean their houses. Tell me more about that because maybe my house needs cleaning. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm just saying. Are you over 65? No, well, not, not there, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, this is the most beautiful ministry, and, and there are there are uh, ministries like this uh, all over the country, right? Yes. This faith in action, that's pretty much the description of it. And I, I do want to hear some of the great stories because uh, they are very heartwarming. Well, I guess I'll kick off one of the stories. Um, we just had our gala. Our theme was Shine Your Light. And I was working on what that means. And the obvious answer is, is that we're shining our light into the darkness of people's lives here, whether it's the elderly that have lost a spouse, can't do what they used to do physically, or families that have fallen on hard times, whether that is spousal abuse, uh, drug, alcohol addiction that they have recovery from. And as I was going through that process and learning from that, I realized that these people are also shining their light on us and our volunteers as we're doing this for them. The one example I had was a gentleman who just found out he had terminal cancer, he needed a ride to the cities. We're based in Becker, so it's a little bit of a trip. So Becker, Minnesota. Becker, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Finding a volunteer to do a drive like that with the wait time. But we found one and talking with this gentleman, and as I told our group at the gala that normally these intakes are 20 minutes, I was with this gentleman for three hours. And it was a learning experience for me because he has terminal cancer. His main concern was to make sure his wife had no additional burdens because of that. So that's why he reached out to us. By the time I got there, we already had a volunteer to take him to his appointments, which he said, that's just a blessing. You don't know what this means. And just going through that whole learning process, like I said, three hours, and you're just learning from this gentleman who 
he did not want any pity. He said, I've lived a right and full life, so don't feel sorry for me. I have no regrets. And just the positive attitude for what he is going through right now, but he's remained positive. I love that story. Wow. So for myself, I uh, have been on the board, like I said, five years. Uh, basically came on the board and said I never wanted to be the board chair. Of course, here I am. Board chair. Board chair. It's <laughs> kind of all these things yeah. work out. But yeah. I wanted to not just be on the board. I wanted to, uh, and we have a very active board, so that's good. Not saying anything about that. But I wanted to go out and volunteer, you know, mm-hmm. do what we say we do. Try everything out. So I went and actually the first thing I tried was cleaning a house. Uh, I'm a bachelor, so I'm used to cleaning my own house. Mm-hmm. But I uh, went with a couple and cleaned it. It it was fine. It just wasn't my call. So mm-hmm. then Darren had brought me a board on one of the furniture deliveries. And that was one of the things that I'm passionate about that we do. We have a lot of facets to us, but... Uh, with the furniture delivery, we take gently used furniture. We also have a good partnership with Becker Furniture World in Becker. Mm-hmm. They give us uh, new furniture off the showroom floor. Some of it has you know slight damage or something like that. But we'll find um, a lot of times that single mothers that are um, recently just starting out again or moving into a new apartment. When we get there, there's three kids that have been sleeping on the ground. Uh, it might be an air mattress that is half inflated. And by the time we leave, that house is full of furniture. Wow. Um, you can see the kids kind of initially are a little nervous when we get there. By the end of it, they're playing hide-and-seek with Darren. <laughs> and, of course, the mothers or parents might not always like it, but Darren makes them jump on the couch before we leave. Right. So they have to test out the, the furniture. But it's really cool to see that. Uh, one other uh, delivery that we did was to uh, someone in Elk River, the assisted living facility. Guardian? Yes. We went in there, and it was a uh, lady that was just starting out again, and by the time we left, same thing, empty apartment for the most part. I think she was sleeping on a couch that did not look comfortable. When we left, there was a bed and a bunch of other things there. We do household items as well. But when we left, Darren and I were turning to go to the elevator because they're never, for some reason, on the first floor. They're they're always up a bunch of flights of steps, but you could hear her in the background saying, woo so that was pretty cool to see, hear yeah. her yelling when we were leaving when she didn't think we could hear her, but we could. And then there was a powerful story about a, a vet who was homeless. I'd love for you to share that story. I'll start the story. You can finish this one because we've both been involved with this one. Okay. Um, we call it our story of the stone. It has numerous God touch moments in it, which I won't be able to get into all of them here because I need probably two hours to go through the whole story. Okay. But it was a veteran who was homeless. He was suffering from PTSD. Um, He was wrapping up his treatment at the VA VA in St. Cloud. And one of the God Touch moments is I always ask people when I come to meet them, how did you hear about us? He said, I was walking in the VA, and one of your flyers for Furniture Family was laying there. And I've never been to the St. Cloud VA, nor have I sent them flyers. So how this got to him? How did that migrate there? How did that get there? Yeah, I think we all know. I think that's a God moment there. That's one of the God moments. And just as I was talking to him, he he was in a studio apartment. He wanted a bed. He was sleeping on the floor. 
I looked around and he had a living room chair that had seen his better days. And I said, you know, you want a couch? Nope. Don't want to take from others. And once I work my way into a one-bedroom apartment, then I'll get a couch. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. And then I kind of went in the kitchen. I said, is there anything you can use in the kitchen? No, I'm good. I don't want to take from others. <laughs> I said, I'll let you know when you're taking from others. <laughs> and he said, well, do you have a frying pan? Because I'm trying to make hamburgers in a wok. And it's in very, a wok? In a wok. Okay. It's very difficult. I go, yeah, I'll get you a frying pan. And then he, when he got home from working at the VA, he liked to sit down, watch a ball game, and eat popcorn. So he wanted to know if I could get him a popcorn bowl. I said, yeah, I'll get you a popcorn bowl. And as, as I was there, I noticed he had this rock leaning up against the wall, and it was painted as a Cubs jersey, which I thought looked very impressive. And I said, well, where'd you get that? And he says, I make it. It's one of the things I do to deal with PTSD, and I teach other veterans dealing with PTSD at the VA how to do this to relieve some of their anxiety. And he goes, I can paint you one. He goes, I'll even do Twins. I won't do Cubs. So Minnesota Twins logo. Minnesota Twins logo, like a jersey. Okay. I said, yeah, you can do it. That's going to be for faith and action. I can't take it personally. We'll use it for faith and action. And as I tell people, there's times when you meet these people and there's just something when you're done that you just got to call somebody and tell them what you just went through. So (laughs) I called Jason. Yeah. And you got right into his voicemail. No, yeah. he, he answered this time. Okay. That's another that's a, God touch That's moment. a surprise. <laughs> that's a surprise. And Jason's not the biggest sports fan, so I was just tell him about it and got to the, doing this rock, and Jason says, well, I got some leftover stone in backyard that was from building Target Field. Yeah, I just happened to have a buddy that uh, his wife had drove truck and was involved when they were constructing Target Field. Had all this rock from there. He'd always thought it was cool. You know, gave it some to me for a walkway that I had, but I had no connection to Target Field other mm-hmm. than I knew I'd keep a piece for my brother, who was a huge Twins fan. Yeah. Um, Darren, when he was mentioning that uh, this gentleman would do the Twins rock as well, that was a bit sacrilege for him because he was really a Cubs fan. Okay. So he was, that was a bit of a sacrifice okay. as well. So uh, just to put that in there, but I said, hey, I've got some rock. So, uh, from Target Field. From Target Field. said, let me show you what I've got. And as I showed and told other people, people were kind of scouring their yards for any extra that they had. Because uh-huh. once I brought it up and showed him, he said, this is phenomenal. What I can do with this and to tie it actually to, you know, a field and put all the different logos and other things. Wow. It wasn't just going to be baseball, but he had all, I mean, he's an artist. He can make anything out of anything. So uh, that was pretty cool. And that was kind of another one of the God Touch moments is he's struggling financially with everything. And through all this, Jason's been able to get him some business on painting stones for other people and kind of get the word out on what he's doing. So he's actually done two stones for us with the Twins logo. Um, One we are keeping and one we will be giving uh, this summer to the American Legion in Monticello, Minnesota, who's been a big supporter of ours. So. I'll give it to them, present it to them, type up the story of it in more detail so that they can share it with the other veterans of what's going on. So any more God moments as to how this guy gets a popcorn bowl in a bed? Well, I mean, catch me off guard on that with all the God moments because this was over a year ago. But okay. 
I mean, there's several different touches where when I first met him, I could tell he had a lot of anxiety towards people. That's why he was homeless. He could not get a job out in the real world because there was anxiety being around people. About five minutes into meeting me, I could tell it went away, and I could tell when Jason came over to pick up the rock with me. It went right back. No, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it did for me. <laughs> no, it was just an instant connection. You could easily nice. talk to him. You could see the wall yeah. come down. You know, he was a little jittery at first, and yeah. once he got to talk to you, uh, turned out through there as well that one of his passions is golf. You know, it's art, his cat, and golf. Nice. So we have uh, the gala as one of our fundraisers, and we have a golf one in the summertime. So I inv- invited him. Now he's been to the last two, but just loves to be able to get out and make sure, hey, can I be on your team? Yes, of course yeah. you can be on my team. Not that I'm a good golfer because I'm not. He's yeah. much better than me. But just to have that connection with someone to, to make you feel good. But the biggest God touch moment in that story was I met him on a Friday afternoon, and he wanted a bed. Hopefully, queen size bed. Um, I didn't bother telling him I did not have one. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to break his heart. Yep. Figured I'm going to find one. Whatever I got to do. Yep. Next Monday, I went to Becker Furniture World, who has opened up storage in their distribution center for us, and they donate to us, so they drop things there. And I went the very next Monday, and there was top of the line pillow top queen mattress in our area. So I went to the vice president. And said, somebody dropped that there in air, or is that actually for me? And he goes, there's a small tear on the bottom, put a piece of duct tape over it, and it's fine. And I know he's a big supporter of veterans, so I gave him a quick story of what was going on. I said, well, hold off on taking it to him. I'll get him a matching box, bring everything, go with it. And that was another God touch moment because Becker Furniture will donate mattress to me happens about twice a year. Wow. And that was next business day. (laughs) Yeah. And after we delivered it, the next day I sent a text to this individual and said, so how'd you sleep on the bed? And he goes, I haven't slept that well in six years. Oh, that's just so heartwarming. It is. And And he meant it too. Yes, he did. He He meant it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's just how he's been able to help us. I mean, and kind of going back to that, my first story, it's how we're supposed to be helping the clients, but it's amazing how many of the clients are helping us in their the own truth? little ways. Yeah, by serving others, you're the one are the get served. Yep. Yeah, it's lovely. We're going to take a little break. I'm in studio with Darren Balkan and Jason Hammerback. They are involved with the Great uh, River Faith Action, have been for many years. It's a fantastic ministry, and there's many like it around the country, and I think you can almost uh, start your own if you wanted to. And we'll talk about that when we come back from the break. back. So glad to have Darren Balkan and Jason Hammer back in studio. They are from the Great River Faith in Action ministry, been involved for six and a half years, uh, Jason for five, but it's a powerful ministry that is making a difference in the lives of many. They have a um, kind of an emphasis on seniors. And then uh, let's talk about what it's like when you go and take a truckload of furniture to a, a senior residence. 
Let's see. So, yeah, the seniors, and as, as well when I said, uh, you know, single mothers starting single mothers with, too, with yes. children, so it ties in. But uh, for us, it's very unique. So we, we get to see, you know, someone calls us and says, hey, I'm moving or I have a whole living room set that I'm looking to get rid of. Yeah. I know that you guys are going to do something great with it. So you go there, and half the time, half the time that we're there, we end up talking with them for a couple hours just because they haven't had anyone to talk to. Yeah. Um, especially once you're able to go in now. Uh, there's been a few of them that you just know, hey, block out the afternoon because it's going to take us five minutes to pick up this couch, but it's going to take us two and a half hours to <laughs> yeah. talk to Henry and Clarice. <laughs> so, Beautiful. <laughs> basically. Uh, and, and it's also pretty unique for ourselves where Darren and I uh, and others, a lot of people help us with this, but um, when we do the pickups, so we get to see the furniture where it came from, weaves its way through our storage and out delivering again to go to these people so you get to see someone that loved it before put it on a shelf for a little bit and then went out and for our new whole family to love it um, just a couple weeks ago we were down in buffalo loading up a house um, for a family that was downsizing husband and wife their kids were grown and they were going to be moving up north and when we showed up first thing they didn't seem super happy because we were there apparently a day early mm-hmm. as we found out as the day went on they were super happy to get rid of everything, and the movers ended up being a day early, so they said it wouldn't have worked out if we wouldn't have somehow yeah. been early. Yeah. And through all that, by the end, she wanted to get a picture of all of her items in our truck, and she just broke down coming out, you know, saying, this is so great. You know, I I, I really can't believe what you guys do because we had let her know, you know, as we were loading this all up that we're going to take care of it, and it's all going to a great home. And so mm-hmm. um, it, it helps everyone feel good about what's going on. Yeah. And we're not always able to share pictures in the end because a lot of the people don't want to be involved in them, but we'll show pictures of a empty room transformed into a full room. Fantastic. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Darren, you got a kind of a heartwarming story of um, doing a little window cleaning. Doing I'd love uh, to hear that story. window cleaning and some other work. Uh, before I started working at Faith in Action, I was actually a volunteer for them. And my very first client was a elderly couple in Elk River, and they just needed their yard mowed. It was average size yard, nothing too big, probably 40 minutes of actual mowing time. Mm-hmm. After doing it once, I realized that I need to reserve about three hours for it because <laughs> step one is you're going to sit on the porch and talk. Uh-huh. Then you're going to mow. Then you're going to have lunch. And then you're going to talk some more. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those, and I see this a lot with the elderly. They've been there pretty much their whole lives, but the neighborhood has grown young around them and doesn't really have a lot to do with them. So They don't fit in anymore, do they? They don't fit in anymore. So in their own neighborhood, they become lonely. But going through this, both had their health issues. And the gentleman then one time pulled me aside and asked if... Um, I could clean the kitchen window so she could look out and have a clear view and not a problem. So I did that. Next time I stopped by, you want to know if I could do the rest of the windows in the house because she was so happy with that one. So mm-hmm. did the rest of the windows. Then he wanted me to go out back and they had a flower garden that she was very proud of in their younger days. So I want to know if I could just clean it up and spruce it up for her so that she could look out her clean window and see her flower garden again. So I did that. 
and then clean up the garden, the vegetable garden. So I did that also and harvested what was there and brought it in for her. And that was another one of those where you learn from that. They both had their health issues. His were actually more. He died two years later. But through his health issues, all he was concerned about is that his wife would have a clear view out to see the beauty of the world and to see her flower garden that she was so proud of but could no longer maintain, and neither could he. And it's just one of those that, once again, we're supposed to be out there helping them, and yet they're teaching me something about the importance of your loved ones and always putting them first no matter what life is dealing to you. Yeah, yeah I never look at a dirty window the same again. You know, yeah. after that, you think of such a simple thing, but that means so much to them when they can't go outside. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I love that story. Yeah, and that's it. the little things that can make their day. And then after he passed and it came time for another window cleaning, didn't she call and specifically request you? Well, they had sent somebody else out, and she wasn't quite happy with it because she said they didn't know how to take her windows out and do it properly. Can you send Darren over? It wasn't, it wasn't me either. It wasn't me either. Yeah. So I went over and did that for her. Uh-huh. I had no choice but to do it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I know there's another story, too, that involves a wedding ring. There is a wedding ring. Um when I was a volunteer, my second client actually was a gentleman with Alzheimer's. His wife uh, needed some breaks so she could go out and live a normal life, get a break from dealing with her husband who's suffering from Alzheimer's. And as I tell people, when I was with this gentleman, I'm going to have a conversation with him for 10 minutes and know that I'm going to repeat the same conversation over and over. That's just how it is with Alzheimer's, so mm -hmm. I can see why she needs a break. So I would do that twice a week for about three hours, so she'd go have lunch with her friends, and she would actually go volunteer. Mm -hmm. But then there was one day when she took him out back to kind of help with the garden, and he lost his wedding ring. They looked and looked, couldn't find it. Another thing that we do in the fall is we send out church groups, Call it Rake the Town, and we go out and 2019, I think we did 95 yards. <laughs> so she had just mentioned it when the church group showed up that if you should happen to find the ring, just let me know, and they found it right away mm. while raking it up. Um, got an article in the paper about it and everything, so it's just another one of those God touch moments, as I tell, like to tell people, if you're living up to the mission... God will take care of you mm -hmm. as long as you're being true to the mission. So mm -hmm. that's another one where being true to the mission and this gentleman was rewarded by getting his ring back. Yeah. We only have a couple minutes left uh, between the both of you. Is there a particular story that's really lodged in your brain that every time somebody asks you about the ministry or your, your volunteerism, this story pops into your head? For me, it's the first time I delivered furniture. Okay. Just because I... I didn't recognize the need. It's, it's amazing the need that's out there, actually, that you don't see every day until you're in someone's home like that or uh, in a situation like that. To yeah. walk in and see the kids that were sleeping on the floor and to be able to see that house get filled, I always, I, I can't, I mean, you you can recreate the feeling every time we deliver to someone else like that, but the first time it was such an eye-opening experience to me and eye and heart 
opening experience, I mm-hmm. guess. Let's see. I live them every day, so it's kind of hard, but it depends on who I'm talking to. But usually mine go back to the story of the stone and the veteran. Okay. Yeah, that's a powerful story. Really and love that's that. That's one that I take the stone along when I talk to new pastors and uh-huh. I give them a detailed story of the stone. Yeah. Now, you're always looking for volunteers, aren't you? Always looking for volunteers and we're always looking for clients. Yeah. So when you say client, what does that mean? Something that's that is in need of in need of services. Need of our services. That's beautiful. Is there a website they can uh, go to? This would be for people in the greater Twin Cities area, or more out in Becker or that kind of thing. Uh, Becker, Elk River, Monticello. Becker, yeah, Becker, Elk Lake. River, Monticello. Okay. What's the web address again, Darren? Grfia. dot org. Grf Grfia. dot org. Grfia.org. Okay, thank you for that. And also, uh, this should be highly motivating for uh, listeners all around the country to say, this faith in action is something we can do. Uh, where would I go to learn more about the model for this ministry? Same place? All right, I stumped them both. Let's move on. You, you stumped us on that yeah, one. That's okay. That's Go okay. to that and hit the info button. Yeah. I'll get your email and I'll talk to you. All right, really a delight uh, to have you here. Thank you so much for telling the stories. I know uh, we're living in a day where it's nice to hear some heartwarming stories. Thanks yes. so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much Darren Balkan and Jason Hammerback. We'll take a short break. When we come back, our prayer series continues. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I will be talking to James Maxim. That's all up next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.